All right, welcome back, everyone, to another installment of the Gopher Coffee Shop Podcast. I'm Ryan Miller. And I'm Brad Carlson. And I'm Seth Nave. And today, uh, today, Brad, we're doing a first ever again, kind of keeping with our tradition of first evers. Um, in the midst of this COVID-19 uh, issue that's taking place, we're, we've all been engaged in some social distancing, and, and so we're doing this podcast, uh, but we're doing it all from the, the confines of our various uh, locations, and so... Uh, we've actually got probably 80 miles of distance between all of us if we look at where we're sitting in Janesville and Rochester and St. Paul. So, uh, But anyways, today uh, we do have our, on a guest, we've had him on before, Seth Nave. Hello. And Seth, uh, we, today I, our main purpose here recording this, it's not going to be a terribly long uh, podcast, but uh, we did want to kind of take some time and promote an event coming up here. There's this uh, soybean symposium that Seth, you've been uh, been hosting and leading for a number of years now. I know last year it was a year away from the event, uh, but it, historically it's been a, a large event uh, in person at the Arboretum, uh, kind of an all-day meeting uh, with focused on soybeans, some kind of issue. And so this year, uh, obviously we've had to cancel our in-person meetings and, uh, and we're going to be doing a distance uh, sort of event here. Uh, so still bringing the soybean symposium uh, out to the, to the folks in Minnesota uh, and, and elsewhere. Uh, you can actually tune in anywhere where you can have internet access. But we're going to be doing the, the symposium via a Zoom technology. So it's more of a webinar, you can think of it. Um, but again, Seth, do you want to tell us uh, what is the topic du jour for, for that soybean sim- symposium? Yeah, Brian, thanks. I'm, I'm actually going to back up a little bit and talk about the history of this thing. You know, it's it's an, uh, kind of been a unique meeting. I've really enjoyed organizing this over the past 10 years or so. And we we tend to do a by invitation only event in most years uh, and try to limit the numbers to 50 or 60, 50 to 75 people so that we can have really good interactions and discussions because the focus of this is really not to talk about what's happening today or tomorrow, but talk about things that are out 10, 15, 20 years out in, in, in the future so that we can have kind of this discussion at this 30,000 foot level around things that are important in agriculture. Um, so in thinking about it this year and setting up a topic, I, I really, um, I, I thought about everything that was happening surrounding issues related to, to China. And there's a number of global disruptions out there this year, you know, starting with the, the trade issues that we've had for the last couple of years with, with China, uh, and then African swine fever um, decimating their swine herd and, and, and reducing their overall demand for soybeans globally. And then this coronavirus thing hitting there and starting there. And so, you know, these things all are very disruptive to our, our markets and, and to trade. And so it really got me thinking about how, how our food systems have evolved and how we've developed this super sophisticated and highly efficient trade system of moving commodities around and feeding animals and then, and then moving that to the, to the consumer. And it's, the reality is we've got really cheap food prices globally uh, in part due to this efficient system. But the question is, um, how vulnerable is that to uh, disruptions like the things I talked about? Or domestic things like um, animal diseases here on our own uh, shores, you know, uh, avian influenza and other, other problems, even ASF in our swine here. Um, you know, climate change that's affecting uh, our, our production environment. 
you know, and then long-term things like soil health and soil and, and things like that. And so we're going to discuss all these things at, again, a very high level. Uh, I've got um, some really top experts from around the country, and a lot of them are based here, but some really uh, top-level people uh, to come in to talk about these areas, and but kind of in that context of of how how resilient really is our soybean production system and our global food production system. Okay, so uh, this this event then was scheduled for an in-person meeting at the Arboretum on Thursday, March 26th. And uh, and so it's going to be the same date uh, and same time, only we're going to be using the Zoom technology. And uh, I've actually, I'm going to throw it out now and then I'll throw it out at the end, as well as we'll, we'll publish it with the blog post here. Uh, but people, if they're interested in attending this, this meeting, it's uh, z.umn.edu slash soybean symposium. And that's all one word, soybean symposium. Uh, and they can get to the registration uh, sheet, and then they'll be provided with a link that they can join in and uh, and participate. And so, uh, format's changing a little bit. I know the the, the speakers are the same. Uh, they're going to change their timing a little bit. Uh, but it is also this kind of thing where uh, we're going to have some time for discussion. So uh, people will be encouraged to send in uh, their questions. Uh, it's pretty simple and straightforward. If you're on a computer with the Zoom technology, you can open up a little uh, question box and type in your question. And, and so we'll go through some of those details uh, the day of, but it's it, it should allow for us to have some some back and forth discussion with the uh, the people that you're bringing in, Seth. Do you want to mention any of the folks? I mean, I know it looks like the day starts off, uh, Ed Usset. Yeah, we've got Ed Usset, you know, and he's always a big draw for us. There's a lot of folks interested in just his, his um, you know, his thoughts around the market. Uh, I love Ed because he brings that really global context to, to marketing and that, that macroeconomic view that even I understand. So uh, he's great. Um, also in the morning, we've got Lin Tan, who is um, who's a Chinese national, but he's based in Des Moines. Uh, he works for a hopeful group in China. So he's part of the big export group uh, or import group bringing uh, and feed uh, producer in China. So. Um, he's based here, and he also writes for DTN as a, as a China correspondent. So he's got really good access to up-to-the-minute data on what's happening in China, and he's going to give us a little view of, of how the ASF issue has affected China, how the government's reacting to it, and then we maybe even talk a little bit about this coronavirus and, and, and how that's affecting consumerism and things like that. Um, uh, we're going to have a panel panel discussion then and have 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 take questions after those two guys. So that should be an excellent opportunity for folks to kind of uh, pick these guys' brains as far as anything that might be on your own mind as far as a, a question related to to trade. Now, this Lin Tan, who does he work for? Do we is he just an independent person and and kind of freelancing with some of his media stuff or? No, he actually works for the Hopeful Group, a, a soybean importing and processing company. So he works for them as as um, as a stateside representative for them and helps them uh, import soybeans. He's a he's a PhD level guy. He's taught at the university in China, um, but uh, he's done a lot of different things. Um, uh, but he he is a representative for that company, uh, but but based here, and it's. Uh, it's fortunate because it, it allows us to have access to somebody firsthand that's got that he himself has firsthand knowledge of what's what's happening, 
and he's really he can really dispel a lot of myths. You know, there's a lot of myths about um, Chinese government and control and how decisions are made and 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 um, you know, rel- especially relative to trade and and um, the trade situation and 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 large uh, state-owned companies in China and who's who's making those who's calling the shots and and how are the decisions made and he has a very very good detailed view on that and I think uh, that'll be really interesting for folks. Well, and I know this is a bit of a sensitive topic, uh, Seth, but uh, I think the other part about some of the things going on in China is there's been a lot of question about the accuracy and whether we're getting a complete uh, information on what's all going on. For sure. And so, you know, again, at least at least we've got a person that can give us an idea of, of what his personal experience is and what he sees and, and hears from his relatives and friends uh, that are over there and, and what's what's really happening um, especially from this, um, you know, b- both on the trade side as well as as the uh, the coronavirus side. Well, this is this is going to be a really unique opportunity. I'm uh, extremely interested in tuning in. And so, for folks uh, that uh, need a little bit more details, we're starting with a 915 login, and that'll provide some time for you to test out your computer, make sure all the uh, the software is adjusted and working correctly, so that you can hear uh, the speakers and such, and then. Uh, uh, we have some opening comments at 9.25, and then they come in with the presenter. So Ed's first at 9.30, Lin Tan is then at 10 o'clock, and then the, the uh, panel discussion is following um, Lin's talk uh, at 10.30. Uh, then we're going to take a little bit of a break for lunch. Obviously, everyone's going to do their own thing there, uh, but we will keep the channel open. And then uh, in the afternoon, Seth, we're going to kind of come back into the, uh, into the program, and uh, can you give us a little outline what the afternoon's going to be about? Yeah, so if the morning was supply side, the afternoon or the demand side, the, the afternoon is going to be on the supply side. So it's on this side of the country. So we've got a couple uh, DMV PhD um, folks from uh, that are from uh, vet med here at the university that deal with uh, either um, you know epidemia animal animal epidemiology or from the um, biosecurity animal biosecurity side uh, to discuss you know what. What are the chances of having some global pandemic uh, related to um, our our modern uh, animal systems production systems, as well as, you know, what are we doing here in Minnesota to to maintain biosecurity and keep keep some of these diseases out of our herds? So, you know, I think it's a really timely topic because everybody's so sensitive to what we've been hearing on the. Um, on this coronavirus thing, I think it reminds us that this this stuff goes around, and some of the the same biology is in place with these other these other animal uh, issues as well, and it can be you know equally devastating for those for those sides. So um, so I think we we should have a really nice discussion there. Well, one of the things that's kind of fascinating to me regarding some of these livestock diseases is the fact that even though consumption, for instance, you know, we've been talking a lot about the swine herd in Asia, uh, even if the population there uh, goes down significantly and that consumption goes down, people are still going to eat. And so there's all these other uh, repercussions as far as what do they change their diet to and then how does that farther uh, affect uh, food as far as uh, commodities, as far as demand, uh, who is demanding it and where it's going to be. Um, It's not that it's simply going to go Way because the pigs aren't there, uh, it's probably more of an issue of then. So then, where is it going to go, and and what are the repercussions of that? That's a that's an excellent point. I mean, we do know we've seen 
We've already seen the Chinese gear up their poultry production in a really big way. They're moving that way uh, before they are even uh, replenishing their swine herds. They're moving into poultry. So they're they're trying to fulfill that demand and they're bringing in more frozen uh, poultry from Brazil and other places as well. So you're absolutely right. It's just it's kind of that balloon. You squeeze it one place and it pops out another. And it's the same thing on the demand side is that we've got we're just going to, we're, you know, we got to feed, we got to feed people somehow. And whether we have to haul our soybeans to Argentina to have processed and then to Brazil, uh, or we send it directly there or through an animal here or down in South America, ultimately those are, those animals are going to be eaten some way. And one of the other areas that's a little fascinating to me is, and, and I realize, you know, your focus obviously is on soybeans. Um, it seems to me though, uh, one of the ways to kind of manage or deal with all these issues is a little bit more diversification, uh, but that's always easier said than done. Are, are any of our speakers going to have any uh, discussion about that as far as uh, how that would work from a, um, a mitigation standpoint, let's say, uh, as well as what the repercussions of that will be? Yeah, for sure. I think we're, you know, both on the animal side, I think that, you know, the question I pose for my speakers is what, you know, what benefits does modern animal agriculture afford us in terms of biosecurity? And then also on that same hand is, you know, what are the increased risks because of that kind of uh, production system? And so that's, that's a little bit down your line of thinking. But then we're going to have a discussion. Uh, Ken, uh, Kenny Blumenfeld uh, fell to hear from uh, the the climatology office is going to talk a little bit about climate effect on on production systems and then Todd Peterson um, who's been with uh, Nature Conservancy and Land O'Lakes and uh, he's got a really good history of um, uh, uh, conservation uh, technologies is going to help us a little bit on the soil conservation side and better you know being able to see the big picture in the long term and maintaining soil health and, and organic matter and how that may affect us long term in terms of our stability of our of our production systems. Um, I think that gets a little bit to your point is that you know that we're we're a little bit narrow here, and that's it's probably not lending itself uh, in the best way to the 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 long view in terms of of maintaining um, good soil conservation and soil health long term. We're taking that lunch break, uh, targeting kind of a, a start around 11 to do that. And then we come back into the afternoon uh, with that animal production discussion starting at 1 p.m. And then, uh, like you said, Seth, they're going to move through the afternoon with uh, a little discussion on climate, what that means for, for the upper Midwest for our crop production system. And then, like you said, your final speaker there, Todd Peterson. Uh, and, and that is going to actually kind of come together then with another chance for people to interact and uh, and type in some questions, uh, pick the brains of the speakers, and, and hopefully it'll lend itself well to some panel discussion that afternoon. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, hopefully we'll get good interactions uh, via chat with the questions, and it's going to, I think we will be able to ask questions as we go and even a little bit between uh, speakers when there's when we have some transition time. So we'll probably have an opportunity to get those threaded through there. And so I know that people have to come and go and it's it's a it's a big commitment when we're doing things online and folks are working from home. Um, but we're going to record this session. And so uh, hopefully I, we want people to make sure and get questions in. And if if they're if they do have to go pick up a kid or or do something that that they're able to get back and we can, we'll have a recorded version of this up later 
and then they can uh, make sure and be able to see their questions being answered at a later date if, if need be. But, you know, clearly we hope that people are able to, to hang on with us live, but understand that that's not uh, always the case. We had pretty good luck this winter uh, uh, trying some of this technology out. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're got a pretty decent Internet connection, and if you if you can get onto the computer, it's probably going to be the easiest as far as typing in questions. But uh, we had pretty good luck this winter with trying this uh, methodology out. So and Brad, what were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that uh, overall, th this is really is a fascinating uh, concept topic as far as the discussion. Uh, it may not be something a farmer can take and make a management decision or business decision for next year, but uh, in the long run, th there's a lot to be contemplated because there are some uh, uh, big trends going on uh, with a lot of these issues, um, supply, demand, um, diversification, uh, and so forth that uh, probably should really enter into farmers' thoughts as far as where they place themselves strategically in the long run and where they're heading uh, their business to go. I've been uh, privy to some different types of uh, presentations and conversations uh, looking at things like population trends and so forth. And, and the one thing that's very clear from a lot of the people uh, that I've heard talk about it is that farmers' paths uh, into the future are probably going to be unique uh, for their own operations. And uh, while they there certainly are people to help them work through those decisions, uh, each one is probably going to have their own uh, uh, kind of method, business plan, uh, just simply based on the realities of their farm. And this is all uh, very valuable information to process, to be thinking what that might look like uh, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Yeah, that's a really good point, Brad. I think we spend a lot of time in extension just dealing with the most urgent situations. We're talking about plants for planting and soil sampling and and seed selection right now. But, you know, simultaneously, farmers are also thinking those long-term issues and trying to decide on their succession plan for their farms and what's what's going to happen 10 and, and 15 years out. And so um, I, I like this meeting series because we, we, it gives us a chance to look at things quite differently. And it's a little bit of an antidote, antidote from some of our, um, you know, winter meetings when we get really narrowly focused on, on individual recommendations that, uh, for specific, very specific production needs. Excellent. Anything else you guys want to talk about? No, we just need to repeat that, uh, that uh, URL. So as long as we make sure that we get people registered so they get the information on logging in, it's going to be through Zoom, and you don't, we don't necessarily need to download the whole application. You can run it right off your browser. Uh, and there's even an opportunity to call in uh, with the tool as well. So I uh, just want to make sure we get that URL out to people again. And again, this, this meeting is coming up this next uh, uh, Thursday, March 26th. And for that URL, which will be posted with the uh, notification we send out with the blog post or with this uh, recording, uh, it's z.umn.edu slash soybean symposium. And that's all one word, soybean symposium. And uh, with that, we want to thank everyone for listening today. And uh, hopefully you get the chance to tune in uh, to the soybean symposium this coming Thursday. Uh, thanks for listening.